return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Seventeen. Well, God is here, friends. He is here. And can I get your hopes up? He has some good things planned for you. Some of your best days are still ahead. Amen. They just might be this week. Amen. Hey, praise God, praise God, praise God. So, Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing that breaks the yoke and lifts the burden. And, Lord, I thank you that right now you're lifting burdens. Come on, receive it. Burdens that you're carrying, they're being lifted right now in Jesus' name. Right now, burdens being lifted, yokes, chains, bondages being broken. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon me to bring this word with clarity and anointing in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So I'm preaching tonight being a giant killer. It's an old story. But you love it, don't you? From 1 Samuel 17, we'll probably be hanging out there most of the evening. I mean, it's such a powerful message. God never meant for you to be defeated or subdued or overcome by any of your giants. Never. He has already ordained your victory. And he wants you to be a giant killer, just like David was. And David, I don't read that he had some extra special muscles I don't read that he had any super-duper wisdom or ability. Well, he did have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And so do you. So every one of us can be giant killers. So uh, when David arrived on that battlefield that day, the first thing he heard was this bellowing, loud, intimidating voice of the enemy. How loud is the enemy in your life? He has a way of being real loud, right? Very intimidating, trying to make us insecure and unsure. And, uh, well, let's read about it here. I think um, Jennifer has been working to get this all ready for us. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. The New Living Testament says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the field to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion. You're nothing but the servants of Saul. Just choose one man to come down and fight me. Now, like I said, the voice of the enemy can be very loud and intimidating, and the Israeli soldiers had already heard this taunt. By the time David showed up, they had heard it twice a day for 40 days. And by that point, they're cringing in fear. David hears it one time, just one time, and he knew. This is not even a match for my God. No match. And in the scripture, friends, there's several factors. I'm going to have about ten of them today. 
10 factors that I see and that I've studied out and that I've kind of taken from a few other folks. 10 factors that made it so that uh, David did kill this giant. And these are 10 factors that can show up in our lives and help us to kill a few giants. Um, So we're going to start in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. The King James puts it like this. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. Now, Jesse is David's father. He's asked his youngest son to bring, just carry some cheese and some bread to your brothers who are in the army. And we need to understand, friends, that every battle, even the ones that seem so little, not that important, every one of them are not just personal battles. All of our battles affect our families and future generations. Every one of them. Now, did you find the God's Word translation? Okay, 1 Samuel 17, 9 Goliath's threat was to send a man. If he can fight me and kill me, then we'll all be your slaves. But if I overpower him and kill him, then you will be our slaves and you will serve us. Like I said, it's never just our little battle. It's not just our personal victory. It's about our families and our children. I don't care if we're talking about fear or discouragement, if if we're talking about alcoholism or lust. If we don't conquer our little battles, our giants, it affects our families and our future generations. So the first thing that I would like us to see about David here in uh, back to verse 20 is that he was submitted. He had already been anointed king, you know. I mean, he could have turned to his dad and say, ha, do you know who I am? Me? Me? You want me to carry cheese and bread? Uh Uh-uh. Too important. I'm too important for a job like that. No, he did not have that attitude. He was submitted to authority. And listen, all giant killers are submitted and respectful to authority. Number two, the scripture tells us that David, um, if we could turn back to, well, Anyway, it said, my second point is that he rose up early. He's young. Maybe, you know, commentators say he was anywhere from age 17 to 25. Anybody in the room that age? (laughs) You guys are cute. Okay. Well, anyway, maybe you can remember way back then. A lot of the young people I know all like to sleep in. Uh, I taught a Sunday school class once for uh, high schoolers, and I was using the book of Proverbs, which actually mentions several times that it's uh, not a smart idea to always sleep and sleep in because you miss the key part of the day. And Anyway, these young men were always arguing with me. Come on, Mrs. Cosmic, we've got to have our sleep. Well, okay, get your sleep, but maybe it's like Pastor Dave said, maybe we should just go to bed a little earlier at night. Because, friends, if we want to be giant killers, we've got to be disciplined. You've got to be disciplined to get into the Word and disciplined to, to pray. We've, it takes discipline to tithe. It takes discipline to praise, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it takes discipline just to get to church. (laughs) Hallelujah. Giant killers are disciplined. Number three, the same passage again, 1 Samuel um, verse 20. He rose up early. He was submitted. Here it says that, um, and he left the sheep with the keeper. He took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench. And um, as the host was going forth to fight. Now, one of the translations puts it like this, that they came up out of the trenches. So you've all seen it in the war movies, I know. In fact, some of you actually, did you ever have to dig a trench? Okay, well, they have to often dig trenches six feet down about. It's all for protection, right? So they can have a good view of the enemy, and sometimes the battle actually goes right there from the trench. They can fight from that place. Um, But at this point, all the soldiers, when they're coming up out of the trenches and standing in battle array, that verse you had on on the screen just a little bit ago, B, 20B, here it is. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So they were in the trenches. Now imagine you're in a trench like six feet down, and then you see this 15-foot giant. So all of a sudden, he seems a little bigger yet. Am I right? And that can happen when we get down in the trenches. It's like the enemy appears way bigger than he really is. And uh, it's like that's when the giants decide to appear in our lives, too. It's not when our faith is zooming high. When we're just ready to to battle and to fight, they seem to show up when we're at our low points. But if we will get ourselves up out of the trenches, and how do we do it? We know how, right? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Praise is pretty powerful, friends. The word of God is very powerful, declaring the word of God. Giant killers do not feel sorry for themselves. It's just about as simple as that. Giant killers do not mope. They don't complain. They get themselves up by praising the Lord, by praying in the Holy Ghost. Giant killers know when we come up, the enemy goes down. Hallelujah. And what we do in the trenches, friends, will often determine whether we live in victory or defeat. So um, my fourth point, believe it or not, is found in the same verse. (laughs) Verse 20, here it is, the very last phrase. They shouted for the battle. As soon as they got up out of the trenches, the soldiers started shouting for the battle. Now listen, giant killers are not quiet. They aren't, hmm. This is what the enemy wants. He wants you just to sit down, be quiet, and just take it. Right? That's exactly what he wants. But giant killers lift their voices in prayer. Giant killers lift their voices, shouting the promises of God. In fact, friends, that, that voice we talked about earlier, that bellowing across the field, and nobody's admitting that you got enemies shouting at you. But I know it's happening. Because it happens to me. It happens to everybody. These intimidating lies. 
Well, what do we do? We don't keep listening to it. We turn the channel. And we if you have to, you have to shout the promises of God louder than the voice of the enemy. Or sing. Yeah, singing's pretty powerful too, right? But right now we're talking about the power of the shout. Joshua said in Joshua chapter 6, verse 16, said, shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Now, from the very beginning, God told Joshua, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. Have we heard anything similar from Jesus? Yes, he announced, it is finished. Paul announced, thanks be unto God who causes us always to triumph. We've been given the victory, friends. It's a fixed game. The whole bribe's already been paid by the blood of Jesus, and we win. Hallelujah. Ezra chapter 3, verse 11. They sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he's good. And a little bit later, all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Listen, the foundation has already been laid for us in Christ. The entire foundation of the kingdom of God, it's done. The blood of Jesus is still speaking on the altar of heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. So yes, hell wants us to just shut up. Just be quiet. Whatever it is. Well, what's that line that everybody's using these days? It is what it is. Used to be quesera, sarah. It's the same old, same old. The enemy just wants us to quiet up, quiet down, and let him have his way. No. No, we are giant killers. We have been ordained to win and to be victorious. And giant killers do not go into battle moping. They go into battle shouting. Hallelujah. So number five, another little hint to being a giant killer, we find in verses 25 through 30 of 1 Samuel. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and he will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, he'll never have to pay taxes. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And if you keep reading in this passage, the same thing is repeated three times. Three times. Hallelujah. And verse 29 is the real key crux question here where David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You see, giant killers are focused on the reward, not on the risk. They are focused on the promise, not the problem. Hallelujah. He keeps asking, what do I get if I win this battle? And it might look from the outside like he's just being a selfish dude. But friends, this is really a key secret. We have got to understand what we're working for here. There is a genuine reward that God promises his people. I was listening to the testimony of a 25-year-old who suffered Medically, he had a heart attack and a stroke. Very unusual for 25 years old. But his heart stopped. 
he actually experienced going to hell and going to heaven. I don't know how it all. Did anyone else hear this story? I, I found it on uh, Facebook, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, he was out of his body for 15 minutes. And, of course, he spoke about hell, saying it's the worst thing you can imagine. Pure thirst, pure discomfort, pure agony. Just wishing you would have made a different choice. And then uh, his experience in heaven, he said it was just past anything he could imagine. And mostly he talked about the lights and the throne room. He said, picture the brightest lights on this earth. I don't know, TV camera lights, football stadium lights. Whatever you can picture. He says, heaven's lights are way past that. Just light, radiance, splendor, and glory. And the throne room, he said that he was really a little ticked off at his dad for praying him back to the earth. (laughs) He did not want to leave. All I'm trying to say, friends, is eternal life is worth it. It is worth the battle. It is worth the fight. It's worth getting your family there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six, we're going to start in verse 34, 35, 36. We'll find out another factor here. David said to Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, whoops, I was only going to do through 36, I guess. So friends, we've got to win some of these personal victories. I did tell you at the beginning, I know that our battles are not just about us. It's affecting our families. It's affecting future generations. But there are some personal victories we have got to win. There's a few that we've got to win. Forgiveness is one of them. You can't be advancing the kingdom of God, winning these public battles, if you haven't conquered forgiveness. There's the battle of sexual sin. There's the battle of of attitude. We can't have bad attitudes. We can't have anger. There's just all kinds of things that I know God's working with every one of us about. Saul, well, okay, here's something I found. How many porn sites are there online? Anybody know? It's absolutely insane. 82 million? I mean, is that correct? I read that there's 82 million porn sites. For Pete's sake, that drives me crazy. We, as God's people, have to get a handle over some of those things and victory. And God has already promised the victory. Saul tried to get David to wear two different um, wardrobes, right? Go out to battle the Goliath now in this other stuff, stuff that he couldn't do because he said, I haven't proved it. In other words, I can't be one person in the dark and one person in the light. We've got to be the same person. We've got to have the victory in our homes and victory in the public place. 
1 Samuel 17, verse 36, gives us point number seven. And I think we already read this, didn't we? Here it was. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Now, this is covenant talk. Years ago, uh, Bishop Kuhn Kuhn from um, Liberia preached on this subject, and it was absolutely phenomenal. This whole business of covenant. I mean, this was the sign of the covenant in the Old Testament, circumcision. So David was circumcised at eight days old. Here he is, what, at this point, 18, 19? And he understands. He knows that already at eight days old, before he could talk and walk, he already had more power, more connection with the living God than Goliath ever would. And so that's what he's saying here. He doesn't have any doubt. He knows that this is no match for the living God, even how big this guy is and how loud he is. Every one of those trials he faced, the bear, the lion, what else, a couple snakes? Maybe two bears, maybe two lions. Who knows what he all faced? But every one of them was just a stepping stone to this battle. And I don't know if we understand that. The trials you're facing right now are stepping stones. It's training ground for what's ahead. He's just making you stronger. He's making you stronger. And he's making you stronger. And your confidence is building. And giant killers understand this. The enemy wants us insecure about who we are and what we've done. And all David's saying here is, come on, look at the record. Just look at the record. How about you look at your record? You've won a few. Yes, you have. You have won several victories already. So if you just look at the record, David's saying, how can I miss? Right? How can I miss? Um, point number eight, and I hinted at it earlier, this matter of Paul, Saul, excuse me, trying to get David to wear these two different wardrobes. I think this is in the scripture here on verse 39, if we have that. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he... Tried to go, but he couldn't because he hadn't proved it. And he said to Saul, I can't. I can't go with these for I have not proved them. And David took them off. I mean, this is the same basic subject. I can't be you. I have to be me. We all try that, don't we? We try. I remember when I was working with this woman who had this wonderful southern accent. And I tried my best to be just like her. I wanted to talk that beautiful way. Or, you know, sometimes we we just pray like that, Lord, make me like. Or, I don't know, I'm not saying it very well, but we try to be somebody else. But we have to just be ourselves. I heard uh, somebody just this week on Facebook, he was... He was a driver. He was assigned to pick up Jack Hayford. Is Jack Hayford still living? Does anybody know? I think he is. 
he is a phenomenal man of God. Um, anyway, this person was assigned to pick him up at the airport and drive him over here, and he says, I had 10 minutes with this legend of a man. So I wanted to ask him a really important question, so it took me a while to get up my courage, and then finally I said, okay, what can you tell me about how I can fulfill the call of God in my life? How can I make sure I'm doing the right thing and being in the right place? And, and Jack Hayford turned to him, <coughs> and he said, just quit trying so hard. Just be yourself. <laughs> and uh, the guy who was speaking says, I thought, what? Is that all he's going to say? He expected a big sermon, you know. But really, if, if we understood that every one of us have already been gifted everything you need, that you'll ever need, to fulfill the call in your life has already been deposited in you. And he's already ordained all the mentors and all the teachers that you'll ever need. So let's just be ourselves, right? Number nine, 1 Samuel 17, 40, it says he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So why five stones? Oh, I'm sure you've heard many sermons already. Some say it's because he had five brothers. Perhaps. I really like uh, who it is that Jensen Franklin says that it all was about determination. Uh, He was just determined he was going to win. I'm going to get this giant. Maybe, maybe in his past, maybe it took five stones to get that bear. Maybe he had to do it again. Again, maybe five was the most times it ever took him to get that lion. Who knows? I don't know the whole reason. I just know that he was determined. He was determined he was going to win. And friends, you and I have got to decide right up front that we are going to be overcomers. Hallelujah. That giant is going to fall. Hallelujah. Now, God gave us more than one stone, one weapon. How many do we have? We have at least five, don't we? The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the declarations of the word of God, fasting and praise. Do you use them all? In our case, we probably need to, right? Every single one of them. But my goodness, we can't miss with weapons like that. Hallelujah. And number 10, 1 Samuel 17, 51. Therefore David ran, and he stood upon the Philistine. This is after the stone leaves his slingshot and hits him miraculously right where there's no armor, knocks him down. David runs and stands upon, on top of the Philistine, and took his sword, Goliath's sword, drew it out of the sheath and slew him and cut his head off. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and they shouted. And they pursued the Philistines. And they finally got into the excitement 
of the victory, right? Hallelujah. Now, taking off one's head is about taking off and cutting off authority. When David took his head off with his own sword, yeah, this is a big announcement, friends. This is a big declaration that the authority has shifted. It is no longer in the Philistines' hands. Now it's in the Israelites' hands. Or, how should I say it, the God of the Israelites. He's the one with all the authority and all the power. And this is all because, I mean, the enemy is now dead. The enemy is defeated all because one giant killer took the authority that he had and the power that he had in the name of the Lord and said, no more. No more. Listen, friends, giant killers stand in their authority. Giant killers take the sword of the Spirit and they cut off the authority of the enemy. Did you know that David then took the head of Goliath to his tent? Yeah, that's, that's also very, it's quite significant. Because this wasn't a private and personal victory for David. It was now a victory for his family. The tent signifies the whole family and the future generations of Israel. The authority that we have in the name of Jesus, friends, doesn't just work at church. Hallelujah. It works in our homes. It works where we work. It works on the main street of Brookings, South Dakota. We need to tell the enemy, no, no. No more authority. You're not having authority over my kids. You are not having authority over my marriage. No more of your authority over my finances or my health. You might have met it for evil. God is going to use it for his purpose and his glory. Hallelujah. So say it with me. I am a giant killer. My giant is no match for the living God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand with me, will you? Oh, so Lord, you've heard the enemy bellowing, bellowing, shouting at your people. You've heard how the enemy is keeping us awake at night, shouting that he's bigger and that he's stronger. In fact, right now, Lord, we're speaking to this mountain of COVID and we command it to come down in Jesus' name. We're taking authority over that thing. You're dead. You have no right, no authority in this city of Brookings, South Dakota. No more authority in South Dakota. No more authority in the United States of America. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Lord, we are hearing your voice speaking to our souls that you give us authority. Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So, friends, we've got to pick up our swords. Help us, Lord, to pick up our swords and to take the authority that you've given us and even take it into our homes like David did. And right now, in Jesus' name, I declare and decree the authority is shifting in the battle, even in your battle, even in your battle. Every one of our battles, Lord, I thank you that the authority is shifting, that strength is rising. Hallelujah. Courage is rising. Praise you, Jesus. Strength is rising. Hallelujah. Let's just finish with one scripture. Thanks be unto God. Say it with me. Thanks be unto God. 
who gives us and causes us always to triumph. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Come on, give him the praise. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory for giving us the victory, for handing us the victory. Thank you for power, power to overcome in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So I'm here, I'm here for you, friends, to agree with you anything, anything that you want me to agree with for you in Jesus' name. Otherwise, have a great, great week. And just expect to overcome. Expect to walk in the victory. Expect that giant to collapse and fall down, and you can cut his head off. Yes? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.